We're going to jump into the word. Exodus chapter 3, if you have a Bible with you. If not, it'll be on those screens. Um, so not long ago, Owen and I were in the garage working on something at our house. Um, and, in, and we're from Virginia, so we have all the four seasons, right? We have, um, we have spring for a few weeks. Then we have um, summers that, you know, scorch the life out of you. Nothing like you have here. I'm sure you can have worse stories. Then we have uh, the fall, which is the favorite time. It's beautiful. The leaves are changing. It's fire pit time. Um, it's the greatest. And then, uh, and it's football season. Come on, somebody. It's about to get a football team here, right? I drove by today and, and Jeff can attest. I said Easter right there in that stadium one day. City Light It's going to have Easter in that stadium one day. Um, and so we... Then we have snow. Well, when the snow comes and the winter comes, um, everything gets shoved in the garage. And when there's nice weather, you have to clean all that out. So we were cleaning it out and found a project that we needed to get onto. And so we were, we were putting this thing together. And Owen was like, hey, Dad, there's a, there's a YouTube video of um, how to do this thing. And I was like, nah, it's all right. We'll figure it out. And after a little bit of frustration, I was like, hey, where's that YouTube video? Let's, uh, let's try to work on that. And so um, we watched the YouTube video and figured out how to do it. And I love YouTube because YouTube and Amazon.com and either Lowe's or Home Depot, I can fix things in my house now. Like, I'm not a handy guy. Are y'all with me? Like, I don't, I don't do handy stuff. Here, here's what I found out is that if I try to fix it, it costs me more than if I just hired somebody in the first place. Anybody else with me on that one? Like, it just doesn't work. But the other day, I had a leaky faucet outside of my house, so I went to fix it. I got on YouTube, and it told me how to fix it. Got on Amazon, ordered the piece. I got done. I fixed it, and I don't know. There was something in me that was like, I'm a man. <laughs> I've officially crossed over from boy to man. I fixed something. Like, I think if you need me to build you a house, I think YouTube and Lowe's and myself, we, I could probably build you a house. Just saying, if, you, if you, anybody's looking for a home build, I could, I could probably take care of that with YouTube. How many of you know, though, there's some things in life that there's no YouTube video for? There's some things you face in life that they downsized the job and now you don't have a job and there's no video for that, how to fix that. And how many of you know that, that you made a covenant with God and you thought it was, it was till death do us part and then they walked out one day and there's no, there's no video to show you how to deal with that. How many of you know that, that when you're dealing with insecurities and shame and guilt in your life that there's no video you can pull up to go, how do I deal with that thing in my life? There are just some things in life that there ain't no how-to video for. So you need something in that moment, and it's God that you need. And here's what I found, though, is that we're in moments in life where we just don't know what to do, where we're hurting, and, and there's some pain going on in our life. Here's what I found is that we respond in one of three ways. Number one is we usually just try to fix it ourselves, do we not? Like, I'll just do better. I'll pull myself up my bootstraps. I'll, I'll try harder. I'll, I'll just, I'll figure it out. I know I'm going to get this. Nobody, nobody's going to have to come help me, right? We're, we're Mr. and Miss Independent. Nobody's going to have to help me. I'll just figure it out myself. Some of us, um, we go to everybody else, right? I mean, we just go to everyone that we can find and hello, somebody. We, we you know, like source counseling on Instagram and Facebook these days. <laughs> Please time out. Don't do that. All right, let's... We go to everybody else, want everybody else's opinion. That was funnier in my head than it came out. <laughs> it's too late to laugh now. Um, and then sometimes we just go, well, this is just my lot in life. And so we end up stuck in places in life where God never intended for us to be stuck. And we just think, well, this is it. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this. Well, it just, we say this, well, it just is what it is. 
Life just is what it is. And I think for some of us, when we think about God and faith, and maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm not really sure about Christianity and Jesus and church, or maybe you've been burned by some past church experience, I would just say, welcome home. Like, this is a place where you can belong before you believe, where, where you can find healing and hope in Jesus. I would just say that, that you found your church home. But I just think sometimes we think, well, I'm paying penance now to God for decisions I made in my past. Well, this is, hey, we would say, well, I guess I deserve this. And I just want to tell you that the grace and the mercy of God covers your past. And we do not serve a God that wants you to live below the level of your inheritance. That the inheritance that you have in Jesus is that I have good plans for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I created you in Christ Jesus to do good works before you were ever born. God had a plan for you. You are God's workmanship. David said in Psalms 139 that he knit you together in your mother's womb. That he was molding you, crafting you, and creating you. And even the negative things in your life, God has a way of making all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, I just want to encourage you. God is doing a recipe with your life. He pours a little bit out of the bad things, a little bit of the good things, a little bit of their personality, a little bit of life experience. And he says, I'm working all those things together. I'm mixing them all together for the good, for your good. So even your bad days become good days because what the enemy meant for evil, I feel like preaching here today, what the enemy meant for evil in your life, God will use for good in your life. There's no wasted moment. There's no tears that you wasted. There's nothing you went, there's no season in your life to say that was a wasted season. No, because God can take even the negative things in your life and turn them for good in your life. So be encouraged, life, it isn't what it is. You don't have to live stuck. You don't have to stay in that place. You can come out. You can move to a better day. Though weeping may last for the night, joy does come in the morning. It does come in the morning. And so often we feel stuck in places in life. What do I do? I don't have any how-to to fix that, right? And it's in those moments, the, the thing that must respond in those moments is faith. The thing we must respond with in those moments is faith. It is not our best effort. It is not the opinions of everybody else. It is faith that must respond in those moments. And it is actually those moments that create the opportunity for our faith to grow. See, we, we've all been given a measure of faith. Everybody shout faith. faith. Everybody has faith. You, 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 from a very simple uh, elementary level, you had faith enough to sit down in the seat you're in. You, you didn't go through a process of going, will this chair hold me? Is this going to be a good thing? Should I sit down? None of you went down and did like, you know, like air squats. Like, yeah, I can hold this for a while. None of you did that and go, okay, this is going to be a good Sunday. The chair's going to hold me today. Now, none of you did that because you just had faith that the chair would hold you. See, we all have faith and some of us put our faith in different things. We maybe put our faith in our success, that that's the thing that's going to hold you in life. Uh, we put our faith in our relationships, that that's the thing that's going to sustain me in life. And so I would propose to you that you will continue to be disappointed in life if the object of your faith is not the right thing. Because how many of you know that success can be taken away from you? That money can be taken away from you. That relationships can fracture and splinter and fall apart in your life. But there is a foundation. There is a solid rock that you can build your life upon. I grew up in an old church that sang a hymn that said, On Christ the solid 
solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Your relationships are sinking sand. Your money is sinking sand. Your success, your status, but you can build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus. And so the object of my faith matters. And I would propose that only Jesus is worthy of you giving your faith to. Because he's proved himself worthy. And so if, if I have to put my faith, and faith must be the thing that answers in the moments that I'm stuck in life, then I need to grow my faith because how many of you know that these moments don't stop? I'm not trying to discourage you on this Sunday morning, but you're often in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to go into another one. How many of you know that? You're one phone call away from, oh Lord, what am I going to do now, right? And so God's wanting to grow our faith. And I think sometimes when those moments come in life, we think, God, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? And I would propose that God isn't doing anything to you, but that he is using the storm as an opportunity to do something through you and to develop something in you. What he wants to develop in you is greater faith. And so how do we grow our faith? Well, I want to take us to a story in the Old Testament, a guy named Moses. I love the Old Testament. A guy named Moses, if, if you're kind of new to church, Moses was a guy that um, found himself um, in, uh, in a Pharaoh's palace, but he was adopted into the palace. And then he has this whole situation where he kills a guy. That's a whole other story. Um, you should read your Bible. It's really fascinating. <laughs> kills a guy. It's really encouraging to me because God ends up using Moses. And if God can use a guy that killed a guy, then, hey, he can use me too. Come on, somebody. Um, we all have a past. And so he, he uses him, and then, but then because he killed a guy, he had to flee for 40 years. And then God, after 40 years, is like, all right, Moses, I want to use you to do something great. And so he's calling Moses, and maybe you've, you've kind of heard of this story or heard about this story about Moses, God talking to him through a burning bush. This, this is what we're going to look at, Exodus chapter 3, and you can follow along on the screen. The first passage is a little bit lengthy, so just hang with me um, as I read this. But God spoke, speaking to him, um, and, and says this in, in verse Chapter 6 of Exodus 3. Are you with me? Say amen. He says, Then he said, It's God speaking, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I just want to say to you that, that God hears you. That there's never been a prayer you've prayed that God didn't hear. That there hasn't been a tear that you cried that God didn't see. And, and if you find yourself in a place of misery, God sees you. And it says this next, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God's concerned about you. Verse 8, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Something you must know about the God of the Bible is that he is the God of abundance. That he doesn't take you from great to lack, but he's moving you from victory to victory, from glory to glory, from greater to greater. He said, I want to take them into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land of overabundance. It's spacious. It's the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, a lot of otherites. These are just nations surrounding them. And it says, verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, this is sending Moses, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
God said, I will be with you. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I think if we're going to grow our faith, the beginning point is this, is that we have to trust his word. If you're a note taker, you should write this down. If not, you should write this down. We have to trust his word. Trust his word. The Bible says that the word of the Lord stands forever. That the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Now, there are two different kinds of word when we talk about the word word. Everybody say word. word. <laughs> it used to be a thing when I was a kid. Word. word. I don't think it is anymore. It so, <laughs> daughter would let me know I was so uncool. Um, not cool. Uncool, not cool. You get it. So there's two types of word. There is the word. This is the scriptures, God-breathed. Um, word of God that's been given to us. It's God's love letter to us. It's whatever you want. It's instruction book for life. It's, it's revelation for everything you need. But so that is the word and, and you should be in that and reading the word and taking time every day for God to speak to you. If the only time that you get a spiritual meal is on Sunday, you're going to get emaciated real fast. So you need to be eating the, the word every single day. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Uh, but there is another type of word and, and it is the thing that God speaks to you. Um, you, can, you can be sitting in a service like this, and I'm sure this has happened to you if you've been coming here, that, that you're like, man, did, was he following me around this week? Like, did, did he read my mail? Like, did, did Pastor Javen bug my house? Like, how did he know that I needed to hear that? Well, that is how God takes the word and gives you a specific word. In a room of hundreds of people, people can walk away with a hundred different takeaways and go, no, I didn't see it that way. Well, because God gave you a different word, because God gives you the word that you need in the moment that you need it. Are you with me? And so we have to stand and stake our life on the word of God. It is the firm foundation. It, it will not fade away. And so if we're going to elevate our faith, we've got to be people that believe the word. But I think there's some, some challenges into believing the word. And the reason is this, is that we often have an expectation of God that what God said he would do, that God will do it in our time frame. And so we end up disappointed. We end up frustrated. We end up confused because there's often a gap between when we receive a word and when the word comes to fulfillment. There becomes a deficit. And so we're going, God, do it. We're in the microwave generation, right? God, do it now. We want it instantly. We want to drive through and pick up our miracle, right? Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm glad to be on the West Coast, honestly, because I plan to eat in and out every day. <laughs> plan to ruin my diet. Come on, somebody. Anyways, support local economy, right? But we want it fast, we want it quick. But what we gotta understand is that our God stands outside of time, are you with me? That he's not confined by time, that he's outside of time. So this means that God saw the day you were born and the day you would die at the same moment. He saw the day you were born, the day you got married, the first child you would have, the career you would get, the school you would make, all the choices that would be made in your life. He was outside of time watching those all at the same time. And so this means that whenever you're asking God to fulfill a word in your life, God knows the right time and the right season to fulfill that word in your life. You may be wanting it right now. You may be wanting it right this moment, but God is going, no, if I gave it to you in this moment, it would affect the moment that is to come. I need to pause button a little bit. I need to hold that back a little bit and do it in the right time. So if you will faint not is what the Bible says. That God will do something in your life, that God will exalt you in the right season if you will faint not. I think a lot of us don't see the word fulfilled in our life because we faint or we give up or we run out of juice. 
or we don't keep believing. Are you following me? But if you're going to see your faith elevated, you've got to stake your life on the Word of God and go, no, I'm going to believe what God said. It don't look like it right now, but I'm going to believe what God says. Well, that's just foolishness. No, it's called faith. It's believing in the God who has never failed. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Not one good promise of the Lord has ever failed. So he may not do it in my time, but he will do it in the right time if I will just hang on a little bit and continue to have faith. So I think we get frustrated sometimes like that, but I think sometimes we don't believe the word of God because of what Moses said. He said to God, God says, I'm going to send you. That's the word, Moses. I'm sending you to lead the people out of bondage. And Moses said, but who am I? So it's not that we have a hard time believing God. We have a hard time believing that God would do that in us. How many of you know that there are voices in your head? Just don't talk back to them. It's when it gets weird. But we all have an internal dialogue that is speaking words into our mind. And often the words that are in our mind are words that come out of shame in our life. Or they come out of guilt in our life. Or they come over some negative thing that someone spoke over your life at some point. You never will. You'll never amount to much. You can't. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not smart enough. Whatever the not enough is has been spoken over your life. And some of you have attached that word into your heart and mind. And so when you even begin to think about, oh, I could have greater faith. Oh, God would do something in my life that would be miraculous and that would be impactful. Immediately the loudspeaker begins, but you're not this enough. You're not holy enough. You're not Christian enough. you're not good enough. You're not smart. You don't have what it takes. And that record player plays in our mind. And this is what Moses was going, but who am I? God, time out. Don't you remember? I murdered a guy. I should be in jail right now. I should be serving time. I murdered somebody. But here's the deal about our God that is so great is that what he does in and through your life is not based on your conduct. It's based on his character. And if he said a word over your life, then you can take it to the bank that that word will come through in your life, not because you're good, but because he's great. Not because you got it all together, but because he's God over all the universe. And what he says will come to pass. You can stake your life on the word. See, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the context of that scripture, what it is saying is by hearing God's word, you grow faith. But here's what I think it can also mean is this. You attach faith to whatever word you believe. And so some of you have attached your faith to a word that has been negative over your life that somebody spoke. And you have begun to believe, I am not enough. I can't have. I can't do it. No, God wouldn't bless me. No, God wouldn't use me. No, I made too many mistakes in my past. No, I've slept around too much. No, I've had too many addictions. No, I've looked at porn too much. No, that abortion in my past, God would never bless me in this season of my life. And I'm just telling you, you will believe whatever word you believe is the word you will attach your faith to. And I'm just trying to get you to attach your faith to what God has said, to what God has spoken over your life. I'm trying to get you to attach your faith to the word of God. If you're going to elevate your faith, grow your faith, you've got to attach your faith to what God has spoken. To what God has spoken. We don't look like it right now. We don't have to look like it for it to be true. Well, I don't feel like it right now. Well, you don't have to feel like it for it to be true. 
your feelings and your sight have little relevance to the truth of God's Word. Are you following me? Some of you need to leave this place today and you need to silence the voices that have been speaking negativity over your life. The Bible says in Romans 12 too that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Did you know that neuroscientists have figured out that we create neuropathways in our mind when we have repeated thinking? And it creates a super highway in our mind. So immediately when someone says you have an immediate response thought, it's because there is a super highway in your mind of a neuropathway that has been trained over time. Do you know what they've also discovered? They can be rerouted. Paul was just telling us what science has finally come up to, that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because every action you take in your life begins as a thought in your mind. And if you can renew your mind with the word of God, some of you need to get up every morning and look in the mirror and go, I'm chosen by God. I'm called by God. I'm set apart. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am blessed. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. Doors will open for me today. Opportunities will come my way today. Well, that's positive thinking. No, it's the Word of God. It is powerful than any two-edged sword. I love the woman that had the issue of blood in the New Testament. The Bible says she had a medical condition where she was bleeding and could not stop. She had spent all of her money. She had wasted all of her relationships. Everything was dying in her life. Resources were dying. Relationships were dying. Her body was dying. But she heard that Jesus was passing by. And she said to herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, And in the original language, the Greek that the New Testament was written in, the idea of the text is this, is she repeated it over and over. So the closer she got to Jesus, the more she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, what was she doing? She was overcoming religious systems. She was overcoming social systems. All this ways of thinking she was overcoming in that moment to go, no, if I could just get to Jesus, I know that I would be healed. I'm trying to build my case for the word. David said, he said to this, and the Bible says that David was in a bad place, that everybody around him was in a bad place, that all of his men were in a bad place, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Are you with me? You got to preach yourself happy when you're sad. You got to preach yourself joyful when you got no joy. You got to preach hope into you when there is no hope. Are you all with me today? So we got to believe the word. The Bible keeps telling us the next verse in chapter 3 verse 13, it said, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. So not only do I believe his word, but I believe his name. I am who I am. He is the eternally existent God. He always has been. He always will be. There was, he just is. There is no beginning point to God. There is no ending point to God. He is. Not good English, but it's correct theology. He just is. Are you with me? He's creator, sustainer. He, he is. I think, if, I think if God had went into the list and the litany of who he was, Moses would still be standing by that burning bush right now. To get the depth and the breadth of who God is. If God had started listing out a list, I am healer. I am sustainer. Moses will still be there today and God will still be going, well, I am this too. And I am creator. Are y'all following me today? But you have to stake your your faith in his name. Now to us as 21st century Americans, the name doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Like 
Some people don't put a lot of thought into naming their kids. I mean, I met some that I'm like, you're going to have a hard time in middle school, bro. You're going to get tough. You're going to get hard real fast. Y'all following me? But in this time, a name spoke prophetically over the individual as to what their future and destiny would be. There's power in a name. That's um, so why David said he, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leaves me for He David was talking about the Lord is a good shepherd. Why was he talking about that? Because he was a shepherd. And, and what you have to know about shepherds is they didn't own their own sheep. They were entrusted with sheep to watch over them. And the only way they were entrusted with more sheep was by their name, if they had a good name. Why do you think David would go fight a lion and a bear to get a sheep? I would have been like, have your meal. You want some barbecue sauce? You need some jerk seasoning? Are y'all following me? Have your meal. I ain't fighting you. I ain't trying to die over no sheep. Are y'all following me? Why? Because he knew that his name mattered and that if he was going to be trusted, which affect his personal economy with more sheep, then he had to have a name that could be trusted. So whenever David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he is saying is he has a name that is above every name and it is a name that can be trusted. That if a lion or a bear comes after you, just know the good shepherd will go chase down, strangle that thing to the ground to protect you because he has a good name. Are you following me? And so you have to trust not only his word, but we also trust his name. He tells him, I am who I am. I think he was trying to get to Moses this. Moses, you're going to face so many different situations in life. Just know that I am. So that whenever you show up in that situation, I'm already there and I'm already whatever you need me to be. I just want you to know this, that whatever you need God to be, he's already in that moment and he already is that. So you may think right now... My body is fine, but there may become a moment it's not. I just want you to know that because he is outside of time, he is already in that moment and he's already healer. You may need God to make a way for you sometime. Well, he's already the way maker in the moment that you need. He is whatever you need. He is a good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is hope. It's not just what he gives. It is the essence of who he is. He is. I am who I am. Are you following me? And so we not only trust his word, but we trust his, his name. He said, what did he say to Moses? He said, I'm the, I'm the God of your father Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He wasn't telling Moses, hey, you can go. Those are my three references. What he was telling them is look at their life and look at what I did in their life and you'll see the power of my name. I took a man, Abraham, who could have no kids and made him the father of a great nation. That's how good my name is. Are you talking? I took somebody like Jacob, who was a trickster and conniver and made him very prosperous and changed his name to Israel and changed his destiny. Why? Because that's how powerful my name is. My name can take your history and create a brand new destiny with it because it is the power of my name. He wasn't giving a resume. He was giving, um, he was give, building his case to the greatness of his name. So you've got to know today that no matter what you've been through, his name is more powerful. This is why he said, I put my name above everything. There's no other name. I love in Hebrews, because I just kind of picture this. I like to use my imagination with the scripture. You all with me? I kind of like to put my there. The Bible says that God looked around by a name to swear by. Not like cuss you out, but like I do so solemnly swear. 
He looked around for someone that had a name that was worthy of him swearing by to say, I do so solemnly swear by that name that this promise will come to pass in your life. Are you following me? And the Bible says he looked around the earth finding no one. And so he swore by himself. I love that, that he's like, I'll go with my name. Because out throughout history and decades, his name has been trustworthy. And can I tell you that just like it was trustworthy to Moses, it's trustworthy to you right here in your seat. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're walking through, you can take the name of Jesus to the bank every day of the week. If you're going to elevate your faith, you have to learn to trust in his name. Whatever he is. When my body is hurting and I don't see healing coming. Will you stand on his name? Well, I'm so lonely and I'm so hurt and I so wanted a relationship in my life. Will you stand on your na- his name? He is comforter. Well, I don't know what to do next. I'm trying to figure out my next step in life. Will you want to know? He is a counselor. You can stand on his name. You can trust in his name. So we trust in his word, we trust in his name. So God's convincing Moses, it's time to go. It's time to go get the Israelites. And he's like, I need, I need, some, I need something else. You know, most a little hard-headed like most of us, are we not? He's like, I need just something else. And chapter four, verse one, it says, Moses answered. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? You know, you had bad pizza. I thought it was God, but it was, it was wings. Um, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? That's a great question. What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Because you would too, if you're smart. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, there he goes again, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So we're not going to trust his word, trust his name, we're going to trust his power. If you're going to elevate your faith, you're going to have to trust his power. You have to trust his power. I love this. I love this little section here. God said to him, Moses, what's in your hand? See, it's real important what you see. If you look through eyes of faith, you see differently. It's important what you see. Moses only saw a staff. God saw a miracle. Moses only saw something that he would prod sheep with or that he would help walk on a long journey or a hike through the rocky terrain of the Middle East. That's all he saw, but God saw something That could be a miracle. And here's the deal. Many of you, you see something in your hand and all you see is something mundane. Well, my gift isn't much. My my talent isn't much. My ability is just a staff. That's all it is. But what God sees is a miracle. What God sees is something that could make an impact on many people. But here's what you got to know. The staff did not become a snake until Moses released it. It wasn't until he was willing to let go of it that he saw the miracle. And here's the deal. I found that the greater faith that you grow in your life, the less control you're going to have. And some of us don't walk in great faith because we want to have high control. You can't have high control and high faith at the same time. 
Because God's going to call you to release whatever is in your hand. He's going to call you to let it go. So he let it go and it became a snake and it went to the ground, right? And then what did God say to him after he ran away? Because you would run too, I would too. He said, I want you to grab it by the tail. What? God, can't you do another miracle and make it a staff on the ground? Yes, he could, but that takes no faith. God, couldn't you do this where I don't really have any involvement? But I still get the benefit. See, I grew up in East Tennessee. And um, if you don't know anything about that area, it's kind of hillbilly country. So I speak both hillbilly and English. Um, It's uh, it's the mountains of East Tennessee. It's it's a wonderful place. The men are men, so are the women. It's... I'm just, I'm just being real, like, Tennessee, it's, it's another level, it's another level, East Tennessee, Upper East, like mountains, not Memphis, they got barbecue, East Tennessee, whole nother level happening there, but I had some friends that were crazy enough, some of you know you need a few crazy friends, life is funner when you got a few friends that'll go like, hey man, let's try this, All right, and they would take a snake, and they would grab it by its tail, and whip it like a whip, and it would snap the neck and kill it. So instead of just shooting it, yeah, sorry, some, somebody like, oh, whoops, I'm not coming back. Only the snakes that would kill you if they bit you and your children, all right, um, and eat them whole. That's the only ones, black snakes we left alone. They, and so, but they would grab, these people were crazy, but you had to grab it in the same motion. Like you had to grab it and whip in the same motion because if you didn't, that thing will whip around on you and bite you and then you're going to go to the ER. You may not make it to the ER. Y'all follow me? So God asked Moses to grab the snake at the point of his greatest vulnerability. See, the smartest way to control a snake is to grab it by its head and pinch it and it can't do anything to you. But God said, no, Moses, I want you to take it by the tail. Because only God could do it in that moment. If it was going to become a staff, it was going to become a staff because God did it. And if it wasn't going to bite Moses, it would be only because God did it. Can I tell you something? We don't elevate our faith in the power of God by throwing the staff down and going, God, can you make that thing turn back into a staff? But I really don't want to have any part in it. I just want to get the benefits of it. You've got to take it by the tail. Don't tweet that out of context. Don't Instagram that. My pastor told me to grab it by the tail. (laughs) May not go over so well. May not get invited back, and I really like it here. (laughs) But if you're going to see the power of God move in your life, you've got to be willing to, by faith, take hold of the thing. And here's the deal. Some of us don't take hold of what God has for us because we don't think we can handle it. If you could handle it, you wouldn't need God. So Moses had to step over his past. He had to step over his insecurity. He had to step over the the murder thing that went down 40 years earlier. And some of you, you want to see the power of God move in your life? Then you got to step over your insecurity, step over all the voices that are telling you why you can't. And you're going to have to grab hold of something that may scare you, that may intimidate you, that may make you think, I don't know how I could ever do that. But I'm telling you, until you grab it, it will not turn back into a staff. 
But when you do, the miracle will happen. You'll see the power of God in your life. Because his stories are not something we just read about thousands of years ago. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it before, he can do it again. He is not a respecter of person. He doesn't, he doesn't have a favorite crowd and an inner circle and they get all the miracles. No, he doesn't have a respecter of person, but he is waiting on you. Every miracle in the Bible was preceded by an act of obedience and faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But if you will take it by the tail, then God will do the miracle in your life. Because he is not a man that he should lie. He will be true to his word. And he will be true to his name. See, the whole staff thing wasn't about Moses. This was about Israel. God needed to see the power. Moses needed to see the power of God, not for himself, but for Israel to be saved. There are people in your neighborhoods, on your job, and in your school. But they're waiting on to see the power of God in and through your life. So we need you. This city needs you. People need you. Will you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we trust your word. We trust your name. And we trust your power. So elevate our faith. Take us to new levels. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.